Good afternoon, good evening, Nord. So, yeah, I'm gonna worry. This is Eagle Eyes on Tech. I am Eagle Falcon. Kind of a, this is actually kind of weird, but I, I'm okay with the podcast knowing about this. Over the last week, I've done some audio tweaking on my broadcasting software for Twitch, in which all the various audio sources automatically duck down like it does on my podcasting software so that music and such quiets down whenever I want to say something. Alright, that's a feature I've had here on the podcast for a while. Well, I've now brought that over to Twitch on my OBS program after I figured out how to do it on there and it was actually wasn't easy either but en- enough about that the reason that it was just kind of weird was that what happened was the opening was being auto ducked as normal i could see the levels being ducked down as they should be but on obs's side which is the side i hear in my in my headphones it was being ducked down twice it was being ducked down by the podcasting software and then ducked down again by OBS. And I didn't count on that. It was a little weird. But I'll somehow, I'll somehow live with it. But let's move on to the actual content. Because we do have a lot to talk about. Such as about, uh, no April Fool's joke this time, but your MP3s are going to be evicted out of Amazon Music Storage. I'm not going to lie, this was something that I completely forgot existed. That Amazon Prime members could store their music in the Amazon Cloud and then get that music wherever they were streamed directly to their device. Well, the service is being discontinued and, well, you've got until April 29th to get your MP3s off Amazon Music Storage, or the data will be lost forever. So yeah, there is something very important about that. Now, there is on the account an option saying, keep my music, which click it will give you until January of next year before the music evaporates. Honestly, if... I was in that boat, which fortunately I'm not, but if I was in that boat, here's what I would do. Do it now. Just just go do it. Go get your music off the cloud. Get some flash drives, just, just do it. If you do not have copies of it already. Now personally, I have always been more of a fan of having my music, well actually stored on the device. But that's also because I'm a weird use case in the fact that... Well, there's actually quite a few places I go where the internet connection is not very stable. Including even at work, somehow. Although that's mostly because... At work we have a 3 megabit down, 1 megabit up connection and... Everyone is trying to stream music from it. Everyone. 
So I've always found the whole streaming music thing just like, but why? Why would I do that? Especially since, back on the whole mobile carrier thing, here in the U.S., even if you have an unlimited data connection, like I do, you still are restricted to 27 gigabytes, about-ish, varies from carrier to carrier, before they start throttling down your connection. Which, by the way, still annoyed about that, and still can't wait for the lawsuits about that to proceed through the courts. With that said, let's move on to another quick bite, and that's about Studio Ghibli's co-founder, Isao Takahata, who has unfortunately passed away. Now, I know what you're thinking, because a lot of the people who helped me find articles up on my Discord were just like, but that's that's not tech news. It's true, it's not, but there is something to be said about what Studio Ghibli does. And that's mostly about how their animation style just has a a different style to it, you know? And how hopefully, even with the death of their co-founder, they can still continue to make the kind of whimsical stylings that they do, both in the actual style of their animation and also in their storytelling. And that doesn't go away. Because right now, a lot of animation is either very action-focused, very lewd-focused, or somewhere in between. Studio Ghibli's is, like, one of the only ones that animate with a sense of wonderment and whimsy to it. Pixar does to some extent, but not to anywhere close to the same degree as Studio Ghibli. So, with that moment of silence, let's move on to the other tragic story I don't want to talk about. And I, I wasn't going to talk about this. I'm of, I'm of course speaking of the YouTube shooting. I'm not going to lie. I wasn't going to talk about this. But one thing... Force me to do it. And that's the way the overwhelming majority of local and national news outlets here in the U.S. have covered this story. Here is how the, st- the story was covered. The story was covered from this perspective. A vegan YouTube star who I am not going to name who it is. I'm not going to name who who this person who the shooter is. For starters. 
they're not worth mentioning. But in any case, the shooter was a YouTube content producer who was unhappy with the way that YouTube was managing their content and supposedly censoring her. And therefore, she got really, really upset and crazy and went and shot up people. Now, fortunately, no one was killed except for the gunwoman herself. Four YouTube members were injured. They all survived. Fortunately. But every, every single commentator talked about how Oh, these, this new generation and how they're so self-absorbed and how they have to keep talking about themselves and the moment you take it away, they go crazy. Those silly millennials and blah, blah, blah. Those of you who listen to my podcast know that is not why this person went off the edge. Now, don't get me wrong. I am going to go through the gunwoman's logic for going to this extreme, but under no circumstances, underline no circumstances, do I condone this behavior. Because there is no reason to go anywhere and shoot someone. Except in times of war. Or in cases... No, actually no. Not even in case of law enforcement. There's no reason to go in someone and, and then immediately shoot them without being provoked. So yeah, moving on. No way do I condone it. In no way. Alright? The reasoning is... Because of the... Because of the changes in the YouTube monetization policy. It it clearly is. YouTube has made major changes in the fact that small YouTube channels now make zero dollars for putting up their content. And the fact that if your content is considered risque at all, you are basically demonetized right away. With the infamous, at least within the content creating community, gold monetization badge. Oh, what's the big deal? Well, the big deal is the fact that a lot of these content providers rely on that ad revenue to put money on the table. And the problem is, (laughs) the problem YouTube has right now is the fact that they need to reform and rethink how they're presenting ads. But instead, they are just, instead, making it so that various content creators just don't get ads. Now, I thought I took some extreme measures. What I did when this happened, and my channel was, because I'm not a very big YouTube guy, was flat out demonetized. I make zero dollars now off YouTube. 
As a result, Eagle Eyes on Tech has been taken off. Any vlogs that that I make are no longer put on YouTube along with Eagle Eyes on Tech. And any stream that I put on Twitch, well, that doesn't end up on YouTube until a week later, at least. None of that ends up on YouTube anymore because what's the point? Although, actually, now that I think about it, I did actually break that rule yesterday. But there is a reason for that. Anyway. I thought that was extreme. Just like going, well, I'm done with YouTube. That's it. Bye. There is no excuse for this. Even the fact that YouTube's change in policy quite possibly did affect this woman's livelihood. It is still completely and utterly unacceptable. Alright, let's take a quick break after that, because that is a bit of a heavy subject. Let's take a break, let's take a deep breath, and we'll be right back. Binge Pipe is excited to partner with Jackbox Games, the pioneers behind the phones as controllers technology that powers hit games like Fibbage, Quiplash, Drawful, and Trivia Murder Party. We are honored to join the next stage of their journey. But what is Binge Pipe? Binge Pipe Pipe is movies, miniseries, skippable commercials, non-skippable commercials, soundscapes, podcast recaps, streaming, downloading, meme novelizations, shareable sticker playlists, VR dining, oral histories of Twitter moments, listicle fan art, celebrity gossip freemium, gamified graphic novels. Binge Pipe is content. And everything Everything. is content. What if Netflix and Hulu had a baby and left it on Spotify's doorstep? What if you could watch ads and pay a subscription fee? What if Batman was real, but your dad was fake? What if Chance the Rapper got a job in statistics? What would his new moniker be? Movies, television, trivia, fart sounds, internet culture, high culture, pop culture, everything is content. And if you think all these things couldn't possibly come together, well... You don't know Jack! God help us all. And we've got new features and uh, lots of new stuff to make fun of. Hey, eight players? Wait, did we make sure this game works with eight players? I swear, if this thing crashes, I will not vamp for time like a total Rogowski. What if a trivia game lived inside a fictional streaming service that lived inside a pack of five party games? They get it already! Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I need a falcon. So yeah, what you just heard, we are not actually sponsored by Binge Pipe or Jackbox Games. That was not an actual advertisement. That was, however, the 
actual promotional video for the brand new Jackbox Party Pack 5. So this is where everything comes to a head. This is where three weeks of research, granted only about two weeks, (laughs) but this is where it all comes to a head. All right. Let's quick recap everything. So, mid-March, we want, I got the press release an hour before I went live about Jackbox partnering with Binge Pipe. All right. Even when I went and made the announcement, on, or reported on, I should say, when I reported on the podcast, it still seemed kind of fishy, like, as I was going through that. And pretty much right there... That was when me and chat got to work. And actually, members of the chat started digging up some very useful information and very useful nuggets before I got my hands on it. And a lot of them were willing to come to the conclusion that Binge Pipe was fake even before I did. Then, of course, I started digging deeper and deeper and deeper. And then not only was it the fact that things like Binge Pipe CEO did not exist... The fact that Binge Pipe was never incorporated or trademarked started leaving the fact that, yep, Binge Pipe does not exactly exist. But what was the purpose? I had three working theories, and I can't remember what the third one is anymore, and it's kind of irrelevant. My first two was that Binge Pipe was an early April Fool's joke, and the second was Binge Pipe... The site and the company being a promotional marketing tool for the next party pack featuring a game called Binge Pipe. I started doubting that second theory because, again, Binge Pipe is not trademarked. And every other Jackbox game name is. But I wasn't really disprove it yet because, well, the trademark could be impending. Turned out that second one was, was pro- the closest. Even Jackbox staff actually actively came out and said, Yes, Eagle, you were the closest. <laughs> so yes, Binge Pipe was in fact a marketing tool for Party Pack 5. Featuring the long-awaited version of Jackbox Games' flagship game, You Don't Know Jack. So far, all we know, and this is from talking with, with a couple of the Jackbox people through Discord and Twitter. I haven't had a chance to sit down with any of them because pretty much their entire staff... Is is split between C2E2, where the news of You Don't Know Jack first leaked, and then PAX, where the Binge Pipe announcement was played. I don't know this for a fact, but I wouldn't doubt it at all if the only person that's currently at Jackbox Studio right now is one IT guy staring at the <laughs> staring at the servers going, yep. They're still on. I'm so lonely. 
Yuxi in the chat did say, yeah, the, the leak did ruin it, but, you know, they did have to retweet it. That's kind of the weird thing. I'm kind of actually surprised that J the official Jackbox Twitter actually did retweet it. Because it did kind of ruin the reveal. Although, I'm not going to lie, despite all my research for it, what I, I actually thought it was going to end up being a double announcement. That you don't know Jack was going to be announced at C2E2. And then a second game of the party pack was going to be announced at PAX. And then for me, it didn't actually hit that that entire video was a promo for You Don't Know Jack until What If Chance the Rapper was a statistician. And then it started showing multiple choice answers like, oh. Oh. <laughs> So yeah, it is confirmed. Binge Pipe is not real. It is in fact a marketing tool. The only thing I'm not sure about now is if Binge Pipe was only for You Don't Know Jack. And I don't have much evidence to go on this. But there was something that was kind of weird about the ordering of the voice at the very end. Because our exact ordering was, what if a trivia game lives inside a fictional streaming service which lives inside a five-game party pack? Why that ordering? That seems kind of weird. So... Maybe Binge Pipe still holds a role in all this. Maybe I'm still right. Maybe there is, in fact, going to be a Binge Pipe game. And if I had to guess, because Lord knows I've been thinking about it way too long while on my job on the road. Maybe something where you just, like, put together a little mini-series, like, Qu Quiplash style or something. I don't know. I have no idea what goes through their heads. Maybe Binge Pipe plays a role within You Don't Know Jack. A lot of people have been speculating that. You can see even the chat right now just, just said that. What if Binge Pipe is the antagonist of, of You Don't Know Jack? Who knows? Um, the only thing this now does bring up. Because, for those who don't know, I have been working on something that I've called Project Binge Pipe. Project Binge Pipe was something I came up with about 48 hours into the research process. And it was pretty much, it was at the point where we were like 99% certain that Binge Pipe was not real. And I was like, me and a couple of people were just like, oh, actually, I, I first pitched the idea and then everyone was just like, do it. The idea I had was, what if I go make a Twitch account, name it Binge Pipe, and have it just broadcast some of the Jackbox games? And the two I had in mind were Gaspionage and Trey Murder Party. And the original idea was just for A, to be funny... And B, 
It was to get Jackbox's attention. And, well, now that I know that <laughs> that the Jackbox team has, in fact, been listening to this podcast, been greatly amused with, uh, with the research, I now know 100% for sure that they know the Binge Pipe Twitch account that's been showing up in their streams, occasionally saying Volhio and saying hello, everyone, is, in fact, me. <laughs> I'm now 100% certain of that. So I guess the question now is... What do I do with the account? So, once I'm done here... and, And by done here, I mean done with the stream entirely. Both the recording and the games after... I'm going to be writing up an official letter to members of the Jackbox team, and I, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna lay it out to them. Here's the account. I don't know what your plans are from here on out. If you want me to cease and desist with this account, I will either delete it or give it to you, whichever you prefer. If you have no problem with me holding this account, I will proceed with Project Binge Pipe. And I'll let I'll let them do it from there. I will let them decide. Chat is now talking about a depressed pillow plushie, and I have no idea what they're talking about, but I'm extremely intrigued, and we'll have to figure out what exactly they're talking about. So, for right now. This is, in fact, the end of my investigation into Binge Pipe. We are now 100% certain they are not real. We are also 100% certain they are a marketing tool created by Jackbox. Uh, M. Rusa, the problem is with your strat of open Binge Pipe Twitter... Uh, Jackbox already controls the Binge Pipe Twitter. Uh, there was someone who tried to open a Twitter account of their CEO, but they were they were given a kind of amusingly worded cease and desist, to which they ceased and desisted. So, I mean, there's nothing more to investigate now with with Binge Pipe. We now know almost everything. There's a little bit of speculation now as far as how Binge Pipe will fit into the future. And, well, I'll give updates if, if my project Binge Pipe moves forward or not. Because I'm not going to lie. Having pro- Project Binge Pipe broadcast out You Don't Know Jack, which would be an ideal game for Project Binge Project Binge Pipe because you wouldn't need any censorship monitoring at all for a trivia game. It'd be hilariously ideal. And if Binge Pipe actually is an antagonist within You Don't Know Jack, oh man, it'd be beautiful. So, let's take a quick break and we will be right back. We got more to talk about. Don't go anywhere. We got to talk about Core i9s showing up in laptops. 
And of course, the last burp. Be right back. So, Intel has revealed the final pieces of the 8th generation Coffee Lake processors. The processors that are guaranteed, as far as we know, to be free of meltdown. 100%. There's some interesting things in here, though. Now, these are the high-powered ones. These are the ones that you'd see most likely in, say, gaming laptops, mobile workstations, and whatnot. Here's what we have. We have the Core i5-8300, the Core i5-8400, the Core i7-8750, the Core i7-8550... The Xeon E2176, the Xeon E2186, and the Core i9-8950HK. What on earth does any of that mean? Well, first off, it means that there is officially a legendary Core i9 option for laptops. Now, the core, the core i5 variants of this are all going to be quad-core with 8 threads. Running at 2.3 or 2.5 gigahertz base, or turbo boosting up to 4.0 or 4.2 gigahertz each. The core i7 variants are going to be 6 cores with 12 threads, starting at 2.2 gigahertz up to 2.6 gigahertz, overclocking with turbo boost to 4.2 and 4.3 gigahertz, all of those supporting DDR4 RAM, two channels of it specifically. There are no four-channel supports anymore, which is, not going to lie, as someone who has had a 20-pound laptop with dual graphic cards in it, it's, it's a little disappointing to not see the four-channel laptops come back. Not that it's really necessary. I mean, put in two 16-gig chips and you've got enough RAM for days. I don't care what you do. You've got enough. The Xeons, however... These are ones that make you go, okay, what's a Xeon and why are they here? Xeons, if you don't know, they are the branding Intel uses for their server processors or for workstation processors. These mobile variants are obviously going to be premium processors designed for mobile workstations. And these two in particular are going to be 2.7 GHz and 2.9 GHz at the base clock with 6 cores and 12 threads. 
those two processors also support ECC RAM. ECC RAM is special RAM that's used in servers and workstations to ensure that you have minimal errors. In fact, the station I use for video editing uses ECC RAM. Just to make sure that you only have to render once. Nothing bites more than rendering and finding out that a couple frames have artifacts in it. You have to do it all over again. The Core i9 variant, on the other hand, and apparently my Discord is not muted somewhere, I'm not sure where. It's kind of annoying. I'll have to figure that out later, because it just bleeped in my ear. And I apologize if that ended up on the podcast. Anyway, the Core i9 variant is exactly the same as the high-end Xeon processor with one difference. Actually, two differences. One, it does not support ECC RAM. And two, it is unclocked. Or, I'm sorry, not unclocked, unlocked. This means that if you were foolish enough, you could overclock your laptop, assuming your cooling solution could handle it. The only other processor in this list that is unlocked is the high-end Core i7, which is only partially unlocked. The other difference is that the Xeons have vPro enabled, the Core i9 does not, and the high-end i7 and i5 have vPro eligibility, but I mean, that's first off a little weird, but who cares? Because anyone who knows what vPro is and wants to use it, doesn't need me to tell them that a processor supports vPro or not. They're usually pretty on the ball with what supports vPro and what does not. Although that's still really weird that the Core i9 wouldn't, but the i5 would. Oh well. So, when this news first broke, and this was on... What was it, Wednesday morning I saw the first tweet of it? I thought, okay, well, that just means we just gotta wait a couple of weeks for NVIDIA start releasing graphic cards and we'll start seeing brand new gaming laptops. Oh, Eagle, you foolish fool. I don't know what past me was thinking at that moment, because it did not take long at all for the faucet of gaming laptops to open up. Right away, Dell announced the Dell G7, which is now part of their new G-Series laptop, no longer with an Inspiron branding on it, their G7 15 gaming laptop, starting at $1,100, featuring, in fact, the Core i7-8750H, which, if you think back to our last line, is the 
bottom tier Core i7, but still at 2.2 gigahertz with six cores. Pretty sweet. Not gonna lie. In fact, it's a version higher end than that with more RAM and solid state with a one terabyte option. With promise of more laptops to come. Samsung also went ahead and made a very strange looking gaming laptop powered as well by the new Coffee Lake processors. By the way, the Dell one is powered by an NVIDIA GTX 1060 if you were curious. Samsung's Odyssey Z is looks like a very thin and light laptop, except the bottom looks like a colander with how many holes are in, are in it for ventilation. The keyboard is shifted where the palm rest should be with the trackpad to the side of it for reasons. I don't know. I honestly wish that design would stop existing because it really does annoy me. Like, really, this design where the keyboard is all the way to the front edge of the laptop. The only laptop that gets away with it is the MSI Titan, and that's because it's a mechanical keyboard. Everyone else, stop doing this immediately. Stop it. Nobody likes this. No one. Alright, now that I'm done done venting. This also supports the 8750H as well as also an NVIDIA GTX 1060. A price... Let me quickly double check to make sure I'm not a liar. Yeah, price is not mentioned. However, I mean... This laptop is, looks awful. Just the fact that the entire bottom is just looks like a giant colander. It just looks terrible. And the fact that there's just this huge gap up front, and more than likely it's done just to keep the heat away from the keyboard. But, you know, you could have done that by, you know, not making a paper-thin laptop packing this much power that is going to sound like a banshee trying to cool it. I mean, let's be perfectly honest, even though the entire back is made of vent and the entire bottom is made of vent, this thing is going to heat up like nobody's business. And with heat sinks that can't be very tall at all, because, you know, it's a super thin laptop, this thing is going to screech. So please, 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 I'm begging you. Stop! Stop trying to make super thin gaming laptops. All it does is tick off everyone. You can make them kind of thin. Just not MacBook Air sized. Gigabyte also released a... Well, an entire suite of gaming laptops powered on this. And Bruce in the chat recommends for that Samsung laptop that you cool it by dipping it in oil and fry some chicken. <laughs> oh. You, you could. You could do that, but why? Why would you do that? And in fact, yep, we do have officially Aurorus 
gigabyte-branded laptops, including an Aero laptop, a bezel-less, super-thin gaming laptop, all of which powered by the new 8th-generation laptop processors and a GPU of undeterminate power inside the Aero. The others have a GTX 1070, 1080, and another 1080. The highest-end one, though, having the world's fastest... 8th generation Core i9 overclockable processor. You know, I hate to break it to you, but to to call it the world's fastest 8th generation Core i9 processor, you know that's going to be disproven the moment the 8th generation desktop Core i9 processors come out, right? I mean, for now, yeah, it's definitely the most powerful mobile processor. Until yet another company decides to do something incredibly stupid and stick a desktop processor inside a laptop. But <laughs> no one's ever done that. People have absolutely done that. It, it's actually kind of terrifying. And in fact, Asus has also released the ROG Zephyrus MGM. 501 notebook also as you expect the eighth generation coffee lake mobile processors and an nvidia gtx 1060 or gtx 1070 the price starts at 14.99 goes up to 21.99 So yeah, it's already happening. Already. <laughs> it, that did not take long. I'm not going to lie. I kind of expected the wave of gaming laptops to at least wait for the GTX 1100 series GPUs from NVIDIA. Or at least for any word that... Uh, AMD is producing graphic cards again. That's kind of a weird thing. AMD's been pretty quiet as far as GPU goes. NVIDIA, at least, we've seen the Volta Titan and the the Volta Quadro card. But no sign of anything else yet. I mean, there's at least signs of life. Moving on to the hardware, to even more hardware, ASRock shows off a Mini ITX X470 gaming board. Alright, so it's a Mini ITX board and it supports Ryzen. What about it? Well... It's the fact that once again these mini these mini high powered boards are not going anywhere. I mean, let's just look at let's look at the possibilities with this mini ITX board. We're talking a board the size of what is it? 10 inches by 10 inches, I want to say a ITX board is. I can't remember off the top of my head. But you are talking up to At least 12 cores 
with Ryzen and a super small form factor that you could fit if you were clever enough with the build into a form factor the size of an Xbox One that could also house a GTX 1080. You could make a super, super powerful mini-computer. But what point do you have to make with that? The point is... The fact that we still live in this world where people assume they need huge computer towers. And in some cases, a bigger tower does in fact help in some regards. Video editing rigs, it helps for just having massive amounts of storage. It can help for better cooling management. But you can still pull this off relatively well. I mean, think about this. You'd have 12 cores, 24 threads. I could rig up something with this, say, have a 512 gigabyte SSD boot drive along with 2 to 4 terabytes of additional storage. And all I have to do is just use laptop drives. That's it. All in a form factor about the size of an Xbox One X. It's kind of insane when you think about it. And now granted, I say that as the guy that specifically hunted down a used workstation that was two feet tall because I wanted to slap four DVD burners in it because I could. And also to brag that I had a two-foot-tall gaming case that was so tall it needed a stabilizer bar on it so it didn't topple over its own weight. I get that. I'm kind of a hypocrite in that regard. But it's still kind of a marvel just to see how small we can get in a form factor just as home PC builders, we're not even talking the microization. Uh, not the microization? Is that a word? How small a, a company like HP or Dell or <laughs> Lord knows the no, Lord knows Apple keeps trying to go super small for no adequately explored reason. It just blows me away. And the fact that more and more people hunt down $500 cases just for pretty much the same reason that I just mentioned with the T7400 is just kind of surprising. I mean, I'm not going to lie. If I actually had the funds to go build a small mini computer like this, I totally would. And I would totally show up to a LAN party with this small itty bitty little case packing. 12 cores of computing performance and a GTX 1080 in it just for fun.
Although, let's be honest, by the time I could muster the funds for that, something better is going to be out. And on top of that, with that, we move on to Asus launching a very similar mini-ITX motherboard. Though this one is more unique for a couple of reasons. One, the Asus Mini-ITX H370i gaming motherboard has caught the RGB disease. It is infected with rainbow lights that will illuminate the underside of the motherboard. B, this motherboard also supports an M.2 slot to have a boot drive right there at the fastest speed possible. Now, right off the bat, I get kind of worried because I have now been trained after doing so many of these budget computer builds trying to trying to figure out what's the cheapest I can build a desktop computer and can I build a gaming computer for the same price as an Xbox One. That was like my biggest challenge for the longest time. And I've noticed that there's been various versions of different chipsets and a lot of them don't support full graphic cards and that poses a huge problem. So, H370, does it support it? The answer is yes. Yes, it does. It supports a full 20 PCI Express lanes. So that means 16 for your graphic card and 4 for that super fast M.2 slot. In case you're also curious, it supports a maximum of 14 USB 3 ports, a maximum of of four USB, USB 3.1 ports, maximum of six SATA ports, two M.2 ports, support for Intel's Optane memory support, which that's a story for another day, integrate Intel wireless, Intel smart sound technology, but is not vPro enabled. Why? I don't know. I may never know. Although, oddly enough, um, that's not the best chipset. The best one is actually the Q370, which supports 24 PCI Express lanes. And it's actually kind of better across the board, but that's supposed to be for corporate use. So go figure. So yeah, if you don't want to go with AMD, you do have an Intel option as well. For your super high-end sleeper build. But, just be aware, it is infected with RGB. I'm actually not going to talk about that one. I'm instead going to talk about the Huawei... P20 Pro smartphone. There's a couple of reasons why I want to talk about this phone. First off, A, I am so glad 
so very, very glad to see someone other than me call a big smartphone a pro phone instead of a phablet. I have been begging for that for what feels like several lifetimes. For the word phablet to just plain die. Huzzah, huzzah. Thank you, Huawei. I have new respect for you. Now this phone actually ups the ante from what Intel started with three, count them, three rear cameras. Most likely at different zoom apertures. We have two different color models, possibly more. And a screen that consumes almost the entire front. Unfortunately, this phone does have a chin on the bottom with a home button. So, I mean, if you were trying to mimic Apple here, you kind of failed at it. You still have that, it's not, it's still not screen on the bottom. But the thing that really kind of tripped my trigger on this phone, what really, really tripped it, was that the marketing for this phone specifically advertised a smaller notch at the top of the screen than Apple's iPhone X. Come on, are you, what? That's, no! Stop it! Look, I know why Apple did it. I still think they're stupid for it. They did it to house the camera. They did it to house the speaker. But I still really do just wish they just bit the bullet and just left a blank spot that consumed the entire top so that there isn't this obnoxious, stupid, annoying notch that is always going to be there and drive anyone insane that stares at it and watches movies for too long. Because you're going to notice it. It sticks out like a sore thumb the moment you're trying to watch anything on its side. They're not just so stupid. I can't even begin to express how truly frustrated I am with, it, with, this, with its existence. Although, I have just given you a good summary. The fact that Huawei not only made the design choice of having the notch, they actively advertised having a smaller notch than Apple for no, more notifications. Hey, Huawei, do you know what would have been, would have given you even more notifications? Not doing the notch in the first place! Just don't! Like, any points they got, they got from me earlier? Gone! Right there! It is all gone! All of the respect is now gone. With that, we move on to the last burb. The last story of the day. And my god. I've got a weird one for you today. I'm just going to read the article per from PC Perspective. 
Computers can now read that poker face you are so proud of. Alter Ego is a project from MIT that allows you to interact with the computer via neuromuscular face twitches, translating subtle movements into text. You need to wear a fence that looks a little like a confused face hugger attaching to the rear of your head. The headset uses bone conduction to detect subtle vocalized speech. You do not even need to move your mouth in order for, for words to register. The register reports that Alter Ego has an impressive 92% accuracy rate, good enough for, for use, but with the possibility of some humorous results. This, this will be a huge boon for those who lack the ability to speak as well as offering a way to interface with VR by removing the need for a keyboard to enter text. So, my comments. What the hell is this? What even is this? <laughs> it's a very fascinating piece of technology. <laughs> Just for this. But, I mean... Look, I thought holding your phone out in front of your face... Speaking into it to translate speech to text was bad. This looks so much sillier. I'm not even kidding. When I first went through PC Perspective to find my hardware stories, and this came up in the list, I thought it was a promo for a new Batman villain. The guy looks like a cyborg with this weird attachment to it on his head. Like, I, I thought this was to, like, restore, <laughs> restore speech. But no, it's so that the computer can just read <laughs> his movements. The other thing that's kind of interesting about this is the fact that it requires this device. Was infrared scanning not good enough? I mean, we have regular cameras that can, with relatively decent accuracy, read your facial movements and then put them on an animated character. We already have that here in the streaming world. It's called Face Rig. And in fact, it's evolving even more now with the addition of 3D cameras like Intel's RealSense which is also on the iPhone 10 to make horrifying unicorn emotes. Which, by the way, will still haunt my nightmares forever. They, they still do. I'm, that's not even a joke. They're horrifying. So, I mean, I'm sure in the actual field of this, this is a huge breakthrough. 
But to someone like me who doesn't know a whole lot, admittedly, this still feels like the... Wait, don't we already have a better way to do this that doesn't make me look like the next... The next Jaws from James Bond or... The next Bane? I don't know. <laughs> I can't get over the fact that this looks like a tool used by a Batman villain. And here's the best part, and I'm actually getting to what Yuxi in the chat is saying, because I was going to make the same point. I'm just so flabbergasted by the concept <laughs> that it's hard for me to make all my points about this. The article even makes the comment, this will be a huge boon for those who lack the ability to speak, as well as, okay, well, this is a huge boon for those who lack the ability to speak. That is true. But it also says, as well as offering a way to interface with VR by removing the need for a keyboard to enter text. Oh, man, if only there was some way to interface in VR without the ability to use a keyboard. If only some sort of voice chat worked. Hmm. Do you guys know of any VR chat systems that use voice chat to communicate with each other? While creating terrible memes? No? Oh man, me neither. Someone let me know when VR chat exists. Oh wait, it, it already does, doesn't it? Yeah, VR chat does in fact exist. How could I forget? <laughs> I don't even know. I'm not gonna lie, part of me did want to have the binge pipe story be the last burb, but... When you see in your feed... What looks like a head crab trying to devour someone from the back of their head... You gotta talk about it. That's gonna do it for me, guys. Thank you so much for listening listening to this today I'll be back next week if you have any questions please email me eaglefalcontech at gmail.com see you next time <laughs>